Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, as the holiday travel season approaches, the cruise industry is enjoying a tremendous post-pandemic comeback with a fabulous slate of bucket list offerings. Also this morning in our community and business spotlight, how the Center for Corporate Engagement at Ohio Northern University can design education and training programs specifically for the needs of individual companies and organizations. Coach's Corner host John Marshall gives us a preview of the final week of high school football's regular season around the area as teams gear up for the playoffs. And our Around the World tour continues with a collection of easy German recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, October 20th, 2023. So what are you afraid of? We're coming up on uh, Halloween, and I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, The folks at Casino.org put a survey out there, commissioned a survey to find what really scares us as Americans. 2,500 people in this poll, and the number one most common phobia, the most common thing that we are afraid of in this country, the fear of heights. Acrophobia, the fear of heights, is the most common phobia in the United States. Um, Social phobias rank second, the fear of interacting with other people. Hmm. But that was number two on the list, not even close, though, to uh, the fear of heights. Now, that is far and away number one. Uh, Let's see. In third position... Arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. Uh, Let's see here. Fourth place was uh, shared by uh, uh, (laughs) Atichophobia. That's not right. It's the fear of failure. (laughs) And I failed to pronounce it correctly. The fear of failure. Uh, Trypanophobia, the fear of needles or injections. Um, ophidiophobia, the fear of snakes, and thanatophobia, the fear of death, are also very common fears. Let's see. Up next was uh, another three-way tie. Agoraphobia, the fear of crowds. Glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. And trifophobia, which refers to the creepy feeling that you get by looking at surfaces full of evenly spaced holes. <laughs> what? That's what it says. All right. The fear of looking at surfaces full of evenly spaced holes. So there you go. In case you've ever wondered what we are afraid of in this country, the fear of heights, far and away, number one. But as you go down the list, you get some really strange ones there. <laughs> By the way, uh, speaking of things that we're afraid of, you know, uh, you remember when you were a kid, people would talk about, look out for the boogeyman. Watch out for the boogeyman. The boogeyman's coming. The boogeyman is, uh, as it turns out, something like, kind of like Santa Claus, where they have a version of this in every country, but it's not the same in every country. It's the same concept, but not the same character. Um, the boogeyman in folklore around the world, the toy zone mapped out monsters from every country 
Uh, in Canada, for example, the boogeyman is the seven o'clock man. I, I don't know why, but that's in Nepal. The boogeyman goes by the name Grum, Grumapa, Grumapa. Uh, let's see. In Nicaragua, it's La Quegua, which is a cursed woman with the head of a horse. In Mexico, La Llorona is a ghost who wanders in search of children. La Llorona. In Senegal, the Ninkinanka is the boogeyman. The Ninkinanka. It's a dragon-type creature who can cause illness just by touching its victim. Uh, the earliest reference to the boogeyman comes from 15th century England as a way to keep children from wandering off into the woods. So that's where it originates. It's kind of interesting. I, I just I saw that on the uh, Newswire. Again, kind of a Halloween-related thing. Every country has its boogeyman, just like every, every country has its legend of Santa Claus, but it's a little bit different uh, depending on where you live. Kind of interesting. Uh, let's see here. If you, if you want to have a new job the first of the year, apply now. Applicants here, it says, can expect the hiring process to last about 33 days. 51% of those who are hiring want to get things rolling right now so that they have a time, they have time to sift through the applicants, schedule interviews, and get that hiring process rolling within the next 33 days before you know, the, the Christmas break so that you can hit the ground running first of the new year. So if you are looking to get a new job starting in January of 2024, now is the time to apply. According to uh, employment recruiter Michael Page, smart businesses will be thinking about hiring now so that new starters can kick off in January and get the maximum impact for the new year. Uh, that means the savviest hiring managers are likely to be locking down their new recruits right now. A recent survey of 5,000 workers found that 22%, nearly one in four, would like between one in four and one in five, want to start a new, uh, want to start the new year with a new job. So if that's you, apply now. So, kind of interesting. couple of other items here among the first things you need to know. This morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories on this Friday morning. Here is the latest thing that we have to worry about. It's the latest viral challenge on TikTok. It is the hashtag dimple maker. Dimple maker. This hashtag has now about 61 million views on TikTok and it is a product, the Dimple Maker is actually a product that is selling out on sites like Etsy. Dimple Makers compress the skin and are supposed to create dimples in the cheeks. Now, dimples are a naturally occurring hereditary trait. Some people have dimples, some people don't. But they are generally considered very cute, very attractive in a lot of for a lot of people. And so uh, being the vain society that we are, we you know try and replicate that if we don't have that gene. However, some doctors are warning against this trend, saying that dimple making devices could cause 
scarring chronic pain. That just doesn't sound like something I would be interested in. Scarring chronic pain. <laughs> Others, I'm sure, are thinking, hey, it's the price you have to pay for, you know. But, yeah, doctors say don't do not do this. Um, by the way, this is not a new thing. In case you have seen this, you know, and young people see this, say, wow, what a great new invention. This is not a new invention at all. The first dimple-making tool was created all the way back in 1936. And, um, well, the reason why it kind of fell out of favor is because, A, it doesn't really work, and number two, it causes scarring chronic pain. Indents in the cheeks can also be created via a procedure called dimpleplasty. Did you know that? That if you don't have dimples naturally, you can actually get cosmetic surgery to get dimples. It's called dimpleplasty. And as strange as that sounds, it's probably the preferred alternative to these dimple-making machines. So, no, just no, don't do that. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, new NBA season is about to tip off. You can get back into uh, basketball A new study claims to have figured out which NBA teams have the most vulgar fans. Betway, the uh, online wagering website, uh, monitored the online chatter among fan bases on social media. And after counting up the number of vulgar words used uh, in in posts about each team uh, over the past four seasons... The club with the most profane fans, they say, are the Phoenix Suns. 577 profanities noted uh, in their uh, research. The Phoenix Suns, the most profane fans in the NBA. The Toronto Raptors and Philadelphia 76ers fans are a close second. uh, Second and third, uh, respectively. Who is not surprised that Philadelphia's fans are in the top three? (laughs) The city of brotherly love isn't when it comes to their sports teams. Um, the team with the fans least likely to use colorful language, the least profane fans, the Charlotte Hornets, with only 82 vulgari- vulgarities uh, noted. So, for what it's worth, I don't kn- I don't have the whole list. All I have, I tried to look it up, and I could not find the uh, entire list. Uh, So I don't know where Cleveland or uh, Detroit fans. What I did find is a a separate study that finds the Pistons fans are the most stressed fans (laughs) in the NBA. So for what it's worth, there you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Showers are possible today with a high around 60. Showers possible tonight with a low in the mid-40s. A Hancock County grand jury has indicted a Finley man on a kidnapping charge. 60-year-old Dwayne Van Atta is being held at the Hancock County Jail. A few weeks back, a woman reported that she was bound and held against her will in a trailer in Finley. The police department said when officers were checking the trailer, the suspect, Van Atta, arrived at the scene. He was taken into custody without incident. The woman was taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital and treated for non-life-threatening injuries. Get more on the case in the story on our website.
A poll from Baldwin-Wallace University in suburban Cleveland looks at the two statewide issues that will be decided in the November election. Issue one would enshrine abortion rights into the state's constitution, has the support of 58 percent of the 850 registered voters surveyed. That includes 89 percent of Democrats, 39 percent of Republicans and 51 percent of independents. State issue two, which seeks to legalize recreational marijuana in Ohio, has the support of 57 percent of those surveyed. I'm Clay Gordon. Early voting is underway and Election Day is coming up on Tuesday, November 7th. The Hancock Historical Museum's Halloween Spooktacular is on Saturday, and Executive Director Sarah Sisser says paranormal investigators often ask to check out the museum. And they do frequently get activity in the attic. So all of us who have been at the museum for a while have our own stories about that. But I think if we have spirits, I always say they're very benevolent. They're happy that we're there. (laughs) She says Spooktacular is an evening of fun for all ages. Get more details about it in the story on our website. Ohio State's head coach is calling for a lot of vocal support at the Horseshoe during Saturday's matchup against Penn State. Ryan Day is hoping fans will bring in energy because according to him, in a close game, it could make the difference. When you're you're playing in an environment like the Horseshoe and it's really, really loud, then it it changes the outcome of the game. And uh, I know that we go on a road in a hostile environment when it's really, really loud and you have to go on silent cadence. The tackles have a hard time. The quarterback has a hard time. I'm Dave Holmes. The Buckeyes and Nittany Lions game is at noon Saturday at the Horseshoe. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I remember last year after all of the travel restrictions were lifted and so on, the storyline on demand for uh, overseas vacations, trips to Europe, uh reached all-time highs and this year uh again the storyline this year is is all about inflation and how that's squeezing consumers and yet demand for trips to europe is actually even higher joining us this morning talk about why cruising may be the best option for those who are looking to get away uh and and a big getaway like to europe is the editor-in-chief of cruise critic colleen mcdaniel Cruising has always been a, a good value for travelers, but uh, actually even more so right now, right? You are absolutely correct. And there's so many reasons why cruising is a great value, but I will restrict myself to our top three. And this is according to a recent survey we did of cruise critic leaders. So number one, you unpack one and you see multiple destinations. Now there's a bit of a misconception when it comes to cruising, but when you visit ports, You only stay there for a short time. You don't get a sense or a flavor for the port. It's very surface level. But this could not be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, more and more cruise lines are spending more time in port with long days, even overnights there. Uh, Norwegian Cruise Line, for example, is averaging 10 and a half hours in each of the ports it visits in Europe. Number two, there is an ease uh, that is associated with this kind of travel. You wake up every day in a brand new port and you don't have to worry about planes or trains, (laughs) rush connections, misconnections, all the stuff that makes makes that land travel such a hassle. And of course, there is a cost effectiveness that comes with cruising, especially as we're seeing the prices rise for airfare and hotels. Cruising just offers a more inclusive, inclusive pricing option. Uh, we're seeing some really great promotions out there right now, including Norwegian's free Etsy promotion. And this one offers a number of perks, including 
free open bar, free shore excursions, free specialty dining, and even free Wi-Fi, among other things. Yeah, I, it, you make a, a really good point, and I think it's worth underscoring that when we talk about it being a great value, a great way to travel, it's about more than just the actual uh, cost of things, about the dollars and cents. All of those other things that you were mentioning uh, have a value as well, even though you may not be able to quantify it in the, in the same way. Here's the question, though. This is still, there's still a bit of an unknown in terms of uh, traveling to Europe uh, and cruising for the especially for those who have not done it before. What should travelers be thinking about before their next cruise vacation, or maybe their first cruise vacation? You know, it, it's interesting that you 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 put it that way because one of the great things about cruising is that it really is it's, it's the vacation where a lot of the details are handled for you. So if you are intimidated about going to Europe. I can't think of a better way to do it than by cruise ship. Um, right now, Europe is super hot. In fact, a quarter of those cruise critic readers that we surveyed have said that they are uh, cruising to Europe. So it's especially important to do your research. Visit sites like cruisecritic.com for insider tips and tricks. Also, know what you want to do. Are you someone who loves the sun and the fun and the beaches? Well, a Greek Isles cruise might be the perfect trip for you. If you're somebody who's looking for a little bit of a deeper dive into cultural exploration, Northern Europe is a perfect itinerary for exactly that. Or if you're somebody who kind of wants a combination of both of those, the Mediterranean is a great option, and we especially love this for first-time cruisers. And I know we're talking about 2023 right now, but we are seeing strong interest in cruising to Europe in 2024 as well. Mm. So if you see something you like, do not hesitate book it. This is, this is the only way you can guarantee that you're going to get the ship, the cabin, the itinerary, and the dates you want. Don't hesitate. Uh, you should absolutely book something when you see it. Now, you were talking about, and it's, a, again, a very good point, that for everyone, your dream European cruise might look a little bit different, depending on what you're looking to get out of that trip. But that being said, what are some of the most popular uh, European destinations that folks are, you know, they're, they're most popular uh, right now that this year seem to be the ones that, that everybody is uh, dreaming about? Well, I mentioned our survey, and no surprise, the Mediterranean is still the most popular destination. This includes spots like Italy and Spain, and then the Greek Isles is another great destination. This includes uh, Athens, Mykonos, Santorini, um, and also river cruising is a great way to uh, see some of old world Europe. And that is really popular with our readers. Mm. All of these are terrific options. But what we're super excited about is the absolute variety of cruise lines and cruise ships visiting Europe, which is it, it pays off for cruisers who are spoiled by choice. Norwegian Cruise Line, for example, is nine ships sailing there, including Norwegian Prima which Cruise Critic named the best new ship of 2020 in its annual Editor's Pick Award. Also, its sister ship, Norwegian Viva, which will be virtually identical, debuted in August of this year and also is sailing in Europe. And there is availability and some of those early sailings with seven, nine, and ten-night itineraries to places like Italy, Spain, and Greece. 
it really is a, a tremendous comeback for an industry that was literally shut down uh, a couple of years ago. And, and there were questions of how long would it take for this industry to get back uh, and, and get back up and running again? Would tourists come back and, and all of that? It, it truly is a tremendous success story. You know, it's, it's a wonderful story in part because I, I believe that cruising is better than it ever was. There are new and exciting destinations that we weren't talking about pre-pandemic. We're also seeing that people who were pent up for a long time during the pandemic yeah. are excited to get up there. So we are seeing longer itineraries and people booking, you know, those longer itineraries, the places that were on the bucket list. And maybe they thought, oh, I'll go down the road. They're booking them now. Yeah. Again, uh, Colleen McDaniel is editor-in-chief of Cruise Critic. You referenced the survey. Where do folks uh, get more information, Colleen? Well, for more information on these great itineraries and destinations I talked about, visit ncl.com. And for tips and tricks and to talk to cruisers just like you, visit cruisecritic.com. Colleen McDaniel, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. We appreciate you having us. Thanks. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Once again, putting the Center for Corporate Engagement at Ohio Northern University in the spotlight, Carol Turchik is here from the center at ONU. And Carol, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Uh, We were just talking before we went on the air here that you've been uh, very busy. You've had a couple of uh, classes and and things going on just here in the uh, past week or so. So Yes, we um, had um, two open enrollment classes, very successful, a lot of great feedback, and we're excited to get started. Yeah, so a lot of things things going on with the Center for Corporate Engagement. And one of the things we were talking about the last time we had to hear that program uh, at Tall Timbers uh, that was uh, held in the past week, um, one of the things that you do and the main thing that you do is in creating some of these uh, programs specifically for businesses, for clients, based on their needs. It's not a cookie-cutter approach. Absolutely. Um, What I love about our center approach is the flexibility that we have and the agileness to create what it is that people really do need to make the biggest impact. So we'll create um, top-level leadership, manager levels, frontline supervisors, uh, specific topics, but we can do those in four days or two days or individual groups or, you know, individuals, groups, however that looks for the organization and whatever industry that is. So first of all, it raises a couple of questions. Number one, how do you create those programs uh, then? Um, It's a combination of experience um, from other programs that we've developed in the past. Um, Might look somewhat similar or put the pieces together to create the right program. But truly, it's a lot of listening. So hearing, you know, what the struggles are, um, what format might work best, the culture, um, how many people need to be in these programs and Mm -hmm. who might be in the program. So we have the expertise from building many of them in the past, but we definitely listen And you have uh, some of that expertise to share in those programs in-house or on staff, and then others, you go out and find the individuals that can help bring that expertise to these programs. Absolutely. So we have a combination of, you know, skilled people from ONU um, that might teach a particular subject, Mm -hmm. but a lot of our people are truly practitioners in the field. So they really have the expertise Um, in the different industries, in the fields, at the management level, at the leadership level, to really bring the content and most importantly, the facilitation of what's happening in the room um, to really make it a good culture match and 
and program match. So then the other uh, question that comes up, and you're talking about the agility to create these programs kind of in a custom way based on whatever a, a business or an entity is looking for, what do they need to bring to the table in order to for you to cre- effectively create those programs? What do they need to tell you? Sure. The best partnerships um, that we find are when people can really describe what's happening in the moment and then where they want to be. So um, is it culture? Is it um, developing their managers to be better people leaders? Is it a particular skill set that the a certain type of group within the organization need a, a technical skill or, or a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so really being able to share and we can help with articulating what the gap is, um, but really being transparent and, and we can be true partners in that. How long does it take to put together a program like this? I mean, from the point that a, a, a company or an entity will approach you and say, we have an idea, we think this Type of training uh, would be beneficial for our people and maybe beneficial for the entire community because some of these are are open for the entire community. Um, from that point to the point of actually making it happen, how long does that take? Um, it can take a very short time if people are ready to go. I think what takes the longest is really making sure the company, their schedules and who's available to, to meet with us to, to really share the information. Um, but it can be as quick as months um, mm-hmm. or we can develop over a year if that's what the organization wants. But but I would think, you know, within a couple months, we can really have the program laid out and ready to go. So that's one of the other nice things about this, uh, about the Center for Corporate Engagement is that it's it, it's almost real time. I mean, this a company identifies a need, and you can pretty much step in and uh, address that need almost immediately. Absolutely, and and that really does come from the the many different programs that we've built. Um, there's different models that we can take from and really create what it is that that best fits the company. So with all of that in mind and all that said, how then do folks get involved and and start that process in happening? Start the ball rolling. Sure. So they can go to our website, which is www.cce.edu or send us an email at cce at onu.edu. And it should be pointed out, obviously, the Center for Corporate Engagement is uh, through the, through Ohio Northern University, which is in Ada, but you uh, work with companies and organizations throughout Northwest Ohio, really. Absolutely, absolutely. And we can do it at their location. If they want to get off-site, they're welcome to come to our beautiful uh, location at ONU, but we absolutely are doing these within the companies as well. Again, Carol Turchik is uh, with the Center for Corporate Engagement at Ohio Northern University. Mention again the website where folks can learn more about what it is that you do. Sure. It's www.cce.onu.edu. Carol, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Absolutely. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. League champions and playoff seeding will sort themselves out tonight as we reach week 10 of the season. The Finlay Trojans look to wrap up the first league title in over a decade in year one in the Northern Lakes League when they host Sylvania Northview tonight at Donnell Stadium. Trojan coach Stefan Adams. Offensively, they had a quarterback, Vargas, who's a skilled player that's very uh, athletic, kind of more on the dual threat of things. 
Um, they have a really good center who kind of sets the line for them. And they have a couple of skill guys who we watch on game film. They've gotten loose and they've gotten open. If you're not disciplined where you're supposed to be, they can hurt you. So I think there's some pieces there that can really give us fits. Defensively, they've been multiple all year long. You can see them in a the four down front, see them in a the three down front, see them in different coverages. Uh, so really not knowing where they're going to be. We, we prepared for all things. But not knowing where they're going to be always kind of gives you a little bit of the heebie-jeebies, right? Like, where are they going to line up, or what are they going to bring this time, or have we planned for all that? I think we have. Uh, I think we've seen enough at this time of the year. But still not knowing gives you a little bit of, uh, you know, uncomfort. You can hear the game tonight on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM with pregame starting at 635. This won't be the last home game, though. The win over Whitmer a week ago clinched a home game in week one of the playoffs. The title game in the BBC pits McComb against Liberty Benton. A Panther win would mean a tie between the two and likely Pandora Gilboa. Eagle coach Scott Garlock on the title game. We said we want to be playing our best football at the end of the year, and that that's kind of the mindset. We're not going to, you know, last two years, McComb's got the best of us. There's no secret to that. And, you know, I just want our kids to go out there and play their best game week 10 and then let the chips fall where they may. You can hear McComb and Liberty Benton tonight at 6.35 on 100.5 WKXA and WKXA.com. PG looks to make their case with a visit from Elmwood, while Arcadia is in southeast Hancock County to take on Riverdale. Non-league games include Van Buren facing Cardinal Stritch at Clay and Arlington in Lucas to meet the Cubs. Independent Van Lu at 1-7 plays 0-9 Blackhawk Christian from Fort Wayne. The teams will meet in the middle at Lima's Shawnee High School. At 8-0 in the Western Buckeye League, Salinas squares off with Wapak for the league title. The Indians stand at 7-1 in WBL play. Elsewhere, Van Wert is at Elida, Kenton hosts 0-9 Shawnee, Bath travels to St. Mary's, and Defiance makes the trip to Ottawa to meet the OG Titans. That game will air on 106.3 The Fox. The Northwest Conference title will be decided tonight when Bluffton visits Climbers Stadium in Columbus Grove. Each has sewn up a home playoff game, and each is undefeated in conference play. The Pirates have 28 straight quarters of unscored-upon defense, going back to a close win over Pandora Gilboa in Week 2. Other Northwest Conference games include Lipsick at Crestview in a battle for third place, Spencerville at home with Delphus Jefferson, and Allen East making the short trip to Ada. Hopewell Loudon meets Tiffin Calvert to determine the winner of the Sandusky Bay Conference River Division as each is undefeated in conference play. Chieftains coach Brian Calatrulio. In a big game, you know, there's things that usually stand out. You know, turnovers are, are always a big factor. Um, taking care of the ball, you know, and we've done a good job of that all season. You know, I think we're plus 13 or 14 you know, turnover margin for the season, which has been a big thing for us. Usually third downs on both sides of the ball are, are really important. Our third down conversion grade has been really good. We've been able to sustain drives and you know, hopefully get them off the field. So those are you know, those are the two things that we usually look to in big games on both sides of the ball. In the Northwest Central Conference, undefeated Waynesfield Goshen needs to top four and five Ridgemont to earn the outright league title. Upper Scioto Valley travels to North Baltimore tonight. Corey Rawson hosts Crestline in a battle of 0-9 teams, and there's Ridgedale at Perry. In the Northern 10, Kerry heads to Attica to meet Seneca East. Mohawk visits Bucyrus. Neighboring rivals wrap the season with Upper Sandusky at Winford. And Colonel Crawford goes to beat Buckeye Central. Other games of note include Patrick Henry, which has clinched a home playoff game next week, at home with 0-9 Swanton in the NWOAL, while 2-7 Faustoria plays on its home field versus 1-8 Rossford in the Northern Buckeye Conference. Again, it's OG hosting Defiance on 106.3 The Fox. 
Finley is at home with Northview on WFIN, and the BBC title will be decided when Liberty Benton hosts Macomb on 100.5 WKXA. For Good Mornings, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. We begin in the international file. A man in Spain has been accused of faking heart attacks in order to get out of paying his restaurant bills. <laughs> this, this seems rather extreme, doesn't it? Apparently, uh, this man has used this tactic 20 times, according to local police, and was well known for these acts by the time he was arrested. Recently, he went into a restaurant, ordered two whiskeys and a plate of seafood. The bill came in at about $37, and the man said he had to go to his hotel room to get the cash. When the restaurant staff refused to let him leave, he threw himself to the ground and pretended to have a heart attack. (laughs) But again, by this time... Uh, the restaurants were on to the ruse. You do this two dozen times, people are going to catch on. So this time, instead of calling an ambulance, staff called the police. Uh, he has been arrested. Uh, the uh, modus operandi of the scheme was always the same. Uh, he'd get the bill and fake a heart attack. They'd call the ambulance. He'd go to the hospital, skip out on the bill. Not this time. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 20 times. (laughs) Does just seem like an extreme uh, measure to avoid a $37 bill. But, you know. Now, this is clever. I mean, sometimes thieves are dumb. And dumb criminals are kind of the backbone of the broken news. But there are some clever thieves out there. One in Warsaw, Poland, attempted to rob a mall jewelry store by posing as a mannequin in the window until he thought the coast was clear. Uh, The plan seemed to be working as staff and shoppers didn't seem to notice anything strange as the man posed motionless trying to blend in with the other mannequins until closing time. And that's when he made his move, according to a police report. The whole thing might have worked, too, if it hadn't been for those meddling kids. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, The uh, stunt might have worked were it not for the mall's closed-circuit security video, which caught the whole thing on camera. He was eventually busted by mall security staff. So the next time you see mall security and think (laughs) they don't really do much, well, they did in this case. They uh, caught the jewelry thief. He is also accused of dining and dashing at a local restaurant and then entering a clothing store and, uh, according to the police, the quote from the police report, exchanging his clothes for new ones. <laughs> Without paying, of course. In, a, in another incident, yet another incident, the man is accused of stealing money from a store's cash registers Along with other items, the 22-year-old was sentenced to three months in jail, according to prosecutors. So. <laughs> well, that's clever, posing as a mannequin. 
It almost worked. Almost. Back on this side of the pond, a little closer to home, in New York, at Union Square, they unveiled a new sculpture, a new work of art, Union Square in New York City, paying tribute, (laughs) paying tribute to one of the city's most famous and enduring urban legends, an alligator in the sewer. (laughs) You've heard alligators in the sewers in New York, right? Well, Uh, NYC legend, a sculpture by a Swedish artist by the name of Alexander Klingspor was unveiled earlier this week in Union Square. It depicts a massive alligator lurking in a New York City sewer. (laughs) Hey, and what city wouldn't be honored to have that statue? You know, that's... The artist says the statue pays tribute to the enduring legend of a monster alligator living in the sewers of New York City, as well as to the resilience. It pays tribute to the resilience of the city itself. The statue is more than seven feet tall and weighs more than 3,000 pounds. So (laughs) next time you go to New York City, you got to check out the giant sewer alligator at Union Square. Some Halloween fun in the broken news. A a city in Utah, Grantsville, Utah, it's west of Salt Lake, is ordering the removal of a Halloween display that they describe as overly raunchy. Now, you know that Utah is a pretty conservative state, Mormons and and all of that. Uh, So Utah is a very conservative state. But I think they've got a point in in this case. Located at a residential street corner, the display is basically a life-size skeleton hanging from a street sign like a stripper on a pole. (laughs) That might fly in some places, but it ain't going to fly in Utah. (laughs) Skeleton on a street sign like a stripper on a pole. City officials said the display violated a city code that bans residents from attaching anything to street signs. <laughs> um, so, not one to be deterred, the resident in question who put up the display removed the skeleton from the street sign and attached it to an actual stripper pole in the front yard of his home. So. I'm not sure that the city will like that any better, but it's on his private property. I'm not sure there's anything they can do about it. (laughs) And finally, in the broken news this morning, (laughs) uh, this is a a really bad case of, uh, of oops. I mean, this is a big oops. A woman who applied to Miami University seeking sand and beaches had to settle for corn and snow when turned out the college she actually applied and was accepted into was Miami University in Ohio. Uh, As an international, there's a reason why uh, she made this mistake. As an international student living in Vietnam, Valerie Doe was not able to visit the university before applying. So she was a little confused when an acceptance letter welcoming her to Ohio (laughs) arrived in the mail. (laughs) 
She thought she she had applied to Miami University. What is this welcome to Ohio stuff? After a quick Google search, Ms. Doe realized that there are no beaches. <laughs> it's just a cornfield in the middle of nowhere in the American Midwest. <laughs> uh, there is a happy ending, though, after uh, doing some more research. Ms. Doe says she realized that Miami University does actually have a very good business school, and that's the degree that she was seeking. So she decided to accept the offer, and she moved from Vietnam to Ohio. She uh, recently decided to own up to her mistake in a now viral TikTok video that has gained one and a half million views. So there may be no beaches. There's a cornfield in the middle of nowhere, but she has achieved internet celebrity. So there is that. (laughs) There you go. That is today's broken news report and update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You can use your phone at a doctor's office. You can use your phone at a football game. You can even use your phone at an amusement park. But one place you should never use your phone is behind the wheel. Fines now start at $150. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We mentioned yesterday on the program that the National Retail Federation says Americans will spend a record $12.2 billion on Halloween this year. $12.2 billion, with a B, as in big bucks. That easily tops the $10.6 billion we spent last year and works out to be about $108.24 per person in 2023. Now, we have the numbers to break that down. We mentioned some of those numbers uh, yesterday, but we've uh, we've got the the breakdown of that spending. $108.24 per person this year is what the NRF says we are going to uh, spend. And their survey on Halloween spending... Find 73% of those in the poll say they are participating in the Halloween festivities this season in some way. 73%. And that is a record number in terms of participation. It's up from 69% last year. 68% of respondents plan to hand out candy, trick or treat. 53% will be decorating their home and or their yard for Halloween. I thought this was kind of interesting in the survey. Half of those polled say that they are dressing up for Halloween. (laughs) Although only 32% say that they are planning to either attend a party or throw one themselves. So 50% are dressing up, but only 32% (laughs) are are holding a party or going to a party. So apparently the other 18% are just dressing up for the heck of it. (laughs) 
a fair number of us are just dressing. We don't have anywhere to go. We don't have any place to be. We just want to dress up for Halloween. So that's what we'll be doing. Uh, 28% say that they will take their kids trick-or-treating, which I was actually a little surprised. I figured it'd be a little higher than that. But 28% in the survey say that they are taking their kids trick-or-treating. So I guess a fair number of people will be dressing up in costume themselves while they take their kids uh, out door to door. Nearly 70% of those polled will be buying costumes this year. That is another record. Total spending on costumes alone is expected to reach $4.1 billion this year. So $4.1 billion of the $12.2 billion will be spent on costumes. Last year, $3.6 billion was spent on costumes. So we're spending more. Although, and again, this is one of the things we mentioned yesterday, a growing number of people, in order to cut down on the costs as much as they can, will be reusing a costume that they have worn before or will be using elements of a previous costume in this year's costume. But $4.1 billion in spending on costumes. Candy spending is expected to reach $3.6 billion, up from $3.1 billion last year. So that's I, I thought that was really interesting. If you total that up, the costumes and the candy, that's what, $7.7 billion out of the $12.2 billion total. So apparently we're spending a lot on decorations, um, on stuff for our Halloween parties and things like that. Really interesting the way the numbers break down on holiday spending this year. Uh, this is according to a survey conducted by Prosper Insights and Analytics on behalf of the National Retail Federation. Happy Halloween! My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Check this out. A new poll commissioned by Bob Evans Farms finds uh, 2,000 adults in this poll. 66% of Americans believe that their family recipes have what it takes to appear in a best-selling cookbook. Mm, Now that, two-thirds. Okay. 75% say they plan to pass these recipes down to future generations. Gen Xers are most likely to be the keeper of recipes yeah. uh, for the uh, family. 24% of those in the poll have a recipe that dates back to their great-grandparents. Wow, that's that cool? cool. That is that's really cool. really cool. Yeah. And uh, they are most likely to serve these family traditional dishes at uh, family reunions, at Thanksgiving, yep. and at Christmas. Yep. Or whatever winter holiday you celebrate. Yep. But uh, kind of interesting. There. That's cool. Yeah. I like it. I don't know uh, if these would be uh, family recipes. These are not family recipes that were handed no. out generation to generation. Well, although, maybe. Although I'm sure yeah. in, uh, in German uh, oh, yes. families, uh, some of these they uh, have, have been. Our, sure. our Around the World Tour continues this morning with some... Easy German recipes. Yes. German recipes. Uh, starting with 
a crispy pork schnitzel. Yes. And this was really, really it good. Was. And we it had it really uh, earlier this week. So this is oil for your frying pan, mm-hmm. uh, four boneless pork chops, quarter cup of all-purpose flour, one teaspoon of salt, one teaspoon of garlic powder, one teaspoon of paprika, a half a teaspoon of black pepper, two large eggs, one tablespoon heavy cream, one cup panko breadcrumbs, and a half teaspoon of ground nutmeg. So add enough oil to cover the bottom of your 10 or 12 inch heavy bottom pan. I used my iron skillet. Iron skillet. Yep. yep. But if you don't have that, if you just have a heavy bottom pan, that's mm-hmm. fine. Also, uh, place the pork chops. You're going to want to do this in a pan as opposed to like a uh, deep fryer. Oh, yeah. Or something yeah. like this. Though. Yes. So you want just this. A- this is a pan fry type of yeah. not a deep fryer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Place the pork chops uh, between two sheets of parchment paper. Use a heavy rolling pin, rolling pin or a meat tenderizer to uh, pound the pork chops to about a quarter inch thickness. Then in a small shallow bowl, combine the flour, salt, garlic powder, paprika, black pepper, Mix until that's all combined. And then in another small bowl, whisk together the two eggs and the heavy cream. And then in a third bowl, you're going to mix together your panko breadcrumbs and your nutmeg. Okay. Um, One at a time, dip the pork chops into the flour, coat on both sides, then shake off the excess flour, then dip dip them into the egg mixture, flipping over, coating both sides, then finally transferring the pork chops to to the breadcrumb, and coat evenly on both sides. Then place your pork chop in the pan uh, with hot oil. Cook for about three to four, three to five minutes per side until golden brown. And uh, cook through. Then sprinkle with a little bit of salt as soon as it comes out. And enjoy. Mm, it is good. The yes, crispy they were really good. I will be making schnitzel. these again. Yes. I really enjoyed Absolutely. these. Absolutely. Uh, along with that. We have a recipe for uh, German potato salad. Yes, this is, I like German potato salad. So one pound of baby red uh, potatoes cut into pieces, four slices of bacon cut into uh, about half inch pieces, uh, a half a small onion diced, one tablespoon minced garlic, two tablespoons of honey, one tablespoon Dijon mustard, one tablespoon brown sugar, one tablespoon horseradish, three tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, a half a teaspoon of kosher salt, and a half a teaspoon of black pepper. So place your uh, potatoes in a large pot, cover them with water, bring to a boil, season the water with some salt, simmer the potatoes for 10 to 15 minutes or until the fork, um, a fork going in comes yeah, out, it's, it's they're tender. tender. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, then, you don't want them too mushy. No, but no. Tender. You want them to keep their shape, right? So, yeah. so drain the water, leaving the potatoes in the pot, and let them steam dry and cool for about five minutes. While the potatoes are cooking, fry the bacon in a large skillet over medium heat. Use the, a slotted spoon to take the bacon out of the uh, pan and put them on a paper towel uh, just to get all that excess grease off. Uh, then add onion to the skillet, saute for three to four minutes, add your garlic, saute for another minute or so, then add your honey, your mustard, your brown sugar, your horseradish, your salt and pepper uh, to the skillet, whisk all that together. It's going to um, it's going to become, um, it's going to thicken up. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, it's going to be like a creamier uh, type sauce. Uh, stir for one to two minutes. Um, 
and like it says, it'll slightly reduce. Pour the dressing over your chopped potatoes in the pot. Uh, add your bacon and gently toss together and enjoy. You know that it's got bacon in it, so you know it's going to oh, be good. It was re- I uh, liked the, it. Yeah, uh-huh. the uh, German potato salad. Yes. And then for dessert, <laughs> we have a German gingerbread cookie recipe. Uh, it is called Pfeffernoose. <laughs> Pfeffernoose. And this, I, I swear, <laughs> this sounds like a Sesame Street character. You know, yeah. it's uh, here comes the Pfeffernoose, or or one of those uh, one of those characters from. Uh, an animated Christmas special. Beware the Pfeffernoose. <laughs> these are really good, though. They are. They're very good. The Pfeffernoose. Yes, the I made German, these yesterday. German so, gingerbread cookies. Yes. So four tablespoon of butter, one teaspoon ground cardamom, uh, one teaspoon ground cinnamon, a half a teaspoon of nutmeg, a half a teaspoon of allspice, a quarter teaspoon of ground cloves, a half a teaspoon of ground ginger, one third cup molasses, uh, half a cup of brown sugar, firmly packed, two cups of all purpose flour, uh, quarter cup of blanched uh, slivered almonds, quarter cup of candied orange peels, a uh, half a teaspoon of baking soda, half a teaspoon of salt, one large egg, and a half a cup of confectionery uh, sugar. Um, and that's an option. You don't have to do that. I didn't do it. I, okay. I'm not big on that with um, the powdered with sugar. So, sure. Yeah, okay. on my cookies, on okay. top of my cookies. So that would so, be for garnish on yeah, top yes, if you want. Yes, okay. if you want. Gotcha. Um, so in a small skillet over medium-low heat, melt your butter, add your um, all your spices, and, uh, and then cook that for about five 15 seconds or so after you've had all your spices. So a whole 15 seconds. Yeah, not yeah. very long. So then pour the butter mixture into a large bowl and stir in your molasses, your brown sugar until combined. Set aside and allow to cool completely. Add your flour, your almond, your orange peel, your baking soda and salt in a bowl to of a food processor. And then you're going to um, incorporate all that together and break up um, all that. Then mm-hmm. Ground um, that down. Yeah, ground that down. Then whisk in the egg to the cooled butter mixture, then whisk in your flour mixture just until incorporated. Uh, Shape the dough into a disc, uh, put it in some plastic wrap and place it in the uh, fridge for a couple hours. I placed mine in the freezer for just about a half an hour. Put your oven to 325 degrees, line a baking dish with parchment paper uh, using a small cookie scoop. Uh, Put your dough onto the parchment paper, bake in your preheated oven for about 10 minutes or just until uh, set, golden brown uh, let cool and then put onto your cooling rack or I put mine on wax paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when co- cool completely, you can roll, roll it into the confectionery sugar okay. if you want to. All right. There um, you but go. you don't have to, I didn't. And they, they were still really yeah, good. They're really, really yes, good. They Just were yummy. Depends on how much sweet you want right. there with that. Correct. The Pfeffer Neuss, the German gingerbread cookies, along with the German potato salad, and the main course, the crispy pork schnitzel there, our easy German recipes this week from Kyra's Kitchen. Those recipes are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. We also have the link up at goodmornings.net. Next week, our Around the World tour continues with recipes from... The uh, Irish. Yeah, Ireland. So. Yeah, Ireland. So we're Irish doing coast. some, yes, so we're doing some Gonna Irish good. recipes. Okay. I'm excited. We look forward to that. Uh, my wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show 
at our webpage. Check us out online, goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday morning on the program, a report out earlier this month by the local After Hours Task Force points to some significant shortcomings in Findlay's effort to attract and retain the young talent it needs to keep the community vibrant and growing. We'll take a closer look. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.